take your Bible, find the 20th chapter of the book of Acts tonight. Acts chapter 20 will be where we will start. Uh, I will turn you to multiple places in the scripture as it is Bible study tonight, and we will uh, turn in our Bibles and read in our Bibles. I can honestly say to you that I have been waiting months to bring tonight's lesson and uh, to share it with you. I will state right at the beginning that the lesson and the study tonight did not originate with me. Um, However, I found a wonderful blessing from it, and I wanted to share it with you. I discovered what we will learn this evening in Through God's Word. I discovered it in the Bible of one of the most precious and dearest saints that we had in this church, and her name was Lila Weatherford. And uh, as you know, Lila went home to be with the Lord early uh, when folks were losing their life in the COVID-19. God had sustained Lila's life many times before that, and she had developed a pneumonia, and then she had also developed uh, the virus, and she went into the hospital not knowing that she would Never come out of the hospital. Um, I, was, I, I was greatly surprised the day that my phone rang and said that Lila had died. I, I was shocked that that was a reality. She had, um, she had bounced back so many times. So for her to do that was surprising. As you know, I have a custom when anybody dies in our church. I always ask for their Bible. And we do their service with their Bible. And I go through that Bible, and I usually find wonderful things that fit that person, their personality, their ministry, their loves. And it helps to unfold just a wonderful, intimate, personal funeral service. I mean, after you've done scores of services, if you're not careful, they just become routine as far as funeral services. I don't ever want that to happen. So we we do that. Lila was a lady that did not possess much physically. She was not what you would call a wealthy woman as far as um, finances. She was not an elaborate woman as far as her presentation. She did not live in a mansion. She did not drive expensive automobiles. Um, To look at Lila, you would not see uh, certain things that you would think you would see in somebody who was able to give much. I never met anybody that will ever outgive Lila Weatherford. She had a uniqueness, and maybe you were the beneficiary of this uniqueness. She did not have much money to give, although she gave what she had. But she had a uniqueness to give that made you feel blessed, made you feel loved. As I was going through her Bible, I found an article that I took a picture of. And if you want a copy of this after the service, just sometime let me know and I can, I can shoot you a copy of this or print you one. And she had put it out, and really and truthfully, it was written by a man named Paul Twist. 
But it's such a, a, a beautiful description of her. And the, and the title of this was Gifts That Show You Care. Gifts That Show You Care. In 26 years of ministry and ministry dealing with people, if I was really to boil down a deep need of humanity, is most people are just looking for somebody or anybody that cares about them. Somebody that cares. Often I hear, Pastor, I'm a nobody. Nobody cares for me. Often loneliness begins, or the path of loneliness, which leads to isolation, begins with the thought, nobody cares about me. That's what makes that verse so beautiful about the Lord when Peter told us to cast all our care upon him, for he careth for us. You might be here tonight, you might be listening to me online, and you're that person. You're that person that thinks nobody cares about you. You're the person that comes to church and feels like everybody else has somebody, you have nobody. You're the type of person that you feel like everybody has a conversation and you're excluded. You're the type of person where you think nobody thinks would, would miss you, therefore there's no reason for you to go. You're the type of person that there's no reason for you to share your burden or your need because you don't think that anybody cares. I got news for you. God cares. And he cares wonderfully. Pastor, I know God cares, but I need a person to care. I think that's a fair statement. I think that's a fair need. And I would say to you that there are people that are inside churches and there are people that know the Lord that do care. It's one thing to care. It's another thing to know how to express care. Some people have soft hearts, but they have hard exteriors. Some people say kind things in their brain, but when it comes out their tongue, it comes out sharp. Some people want to do something if they just knew what to do. Some people would like to show care, but they don't think they have anything worthy to give. And so we're in the Christmas season, and uh, we're in a time when many people are racking their brains these days and trying to think of the perfect Christmas gift. I, I, I'm not sure the perfect Christmas gift exists apart from Jesus Christ. He was the perfect Christmas gift, wasn't he? You'll ju- drive yourself nuts trying to find it at the Sawgrass Mills Mall. It's not over there, I promise you. I've looked. A gift under the tree can be a thoughtful expression of love, thoughtful expression of esteem for another person. But I want to submit to you tonight, and I want to challenge you tonight, that there are other gifts that can be given that I would submit are more valuable to the giver and to the receiver, and they cost no money at all. And so there are eight of them. I have 22 minutes. I would like you to take a pen and I would like you to write down these gifts. Very practical, very simple. As far as the communication, the deliverance of the gift that shows that you care, 
will put a demand on you as the giver. These are not gifts that are easy to give in our humanity or in our sinful nature or in our personality. But they are gifts that believers can give and they are gifts that even non-believers can give as they think about them. They are selfless, they're sacrificial, and I would submit to you that they are extremely powerful to show care. In Acts chapter 20, verse number 35, the Apostle Paul here is speaking. He's called all the preachers together to encourage them in Ephesus. You can read the chapter for yourself. When he comes over here to verse number 32... He says, and now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you an inheritance among all them which are sanctified. I have coveted no man's silver or gold or apparel. Yea, ye yourselves knoweth that these hands have ministered unto my necessities and to them that were with me. I have showed you all things... How that so laboring you ought to support the weak and to remember the words of the Lord Jesus. How he said, and would you read that out loud with me? It is more blessed to give than to receive. If you found that to be true, would you say amen? What's unique about this is I can't find anywhere in the New Testament where Jesus said this in the Gospels. Now, I'm not saying that to state that, that he didn't say it. Of course he did. He gave divine revelation to the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul tells us about that when it comes to the Lord's Supper. But I, I, I find hints of it in the, in the book of Matthew where he talked about giving. But you won't find this quote, It is more blessed to give than to receive, anywhere than in the book of Acts chapter 20. Verse number 35. But if you have ever given to somebody who is in need, you know of the blessing. And so in these days, as we're searching for the perfect gift, which usually costs an exquisite amount of money, let me give you some precious gifts that will cost no money for you to give. Are you ready? Do you even want to hear them? Okay, there we go. Number one, the gift of affection. The gift of affection. Go in your scripture, if you would, please, to 1 John. 1 John is at the end of the New Testament. It's near the back of your Bible. Let me read you a passage here. For for your sake, write down 1 John chapter 3, verses 14 to 18. John writes it this way. Marvel not, my brethren, if the world hate you. We know that we have passed from death unto life because we love the brethren. This type of love is a spiritual love that is only enabled by the Spirit of God into the believer. This type of love is evidenced that we are Christians. He, verse 14, that loveth not his brother abideth. In death, which means if you do not have the ability to love sacrificially, it questions whether or not you know God. Whosoever hateth his brother is a murderer. I think we'll just pause right there. 
Tell me you don't hate your sibling. Tell me you don't have a sister somewhere you don't talk to anymore. Tell me you don't have a brother you hate his guts. Whosoever hateth his brother is a murderer. Keep reading. And ye know that no murderer hath, say those two words, eternal life abiding in him. That's interesting. Pastor, does that mean if I've killed a man that I'm not a Christian? No. No, David murdered a man and he knew God. But a non-repentant murderer who is a person with habitual anger and murder in his heart is usually evidence that eternal life is absent. If you call yourself a Christian tonight and you hate a physical brother or sister or spiritual brother or sister, you need to get that right with God. Hereby perceive we the love of God because he laid down his life for us. We ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. Now watch verse number 17 and 18. But whoso hath this world's good and seeth his brother, this could be your spiritual brother, your physical brother, seeth his brother have need and shutteth up his bowels of compassion from him. Here's a question. How dwelleth the love of God in him? My little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in what class? Deed and in what? Truth. The gift of affection will cost you no money at all, but it is a valuable gift. Prior to COVID, it could be an appropriate hug, a pat on the back. It could be an expression. I would submit to you this Christmas season, child of God, that there are people out there that have nobody to love them. You live beside them. They're in your building. They're part of your condo commando. For those of you that live in those type of places. These are the people that bark at you every time you leave a light on. Don't take the trash out. These are the people that harp on you where you park your car. These are the people that scour and scowl. These are folks that you look at and you can just see the effect of non-affection in their life. I would submit to you that at this time of season, we are celebrating God's gift of affection through Jesus Christ. It's a gift you could give, a gift of love, a gift of affection. I I think you can see this play out in the list, number two. What about the gift of listening? This is precious and so practical. James chapter 1, verse number 19, don't turn there. You go to Proverbs chapter 18. I want you to see Proverbs 18 because there's some powerful truth to that. James chapter 1, verse number 19, tells us as believers that we are to be swift to hear and slow to speak. Listening is a 
precious gift. It is a precious gift to possess, and it is a precious gift to give. I don't say this often, and I don't say this to anything other than to identify God's gift. I have this gift. I don't know that you can pastor without the gift of listening. Sometimes Beverly says, what did you do all day? I listened. She says, good, I want to talk. I'll tell her I'm off the clock. (laughs) She says, find your own dinner. Who are you going to sleep with tonight? All these kind of things. You'd be shocked at how people value listening. I'm speaking to every husband. I'm speaking to every parent. I'm speaking to every spouse. Real listening. Without interruption. Without preoccupation. Just listening. A husband and a wife sharing dreams and goals and visions. Parents listening to a child. Older children listening to an older mother or father. Nobody likes to be dismissed. Nobody likes to be tuned out. Nobody likes to talk and feel like they're not being listened or heard. To, or heard. Preoccupation. You would be shocked how much marriage counseling I've done with a husband laying in bed beside his wife and saying she won't get off the phone. She won't look at me. She won't touch me. She won't talk to me. She's on that blankety-blank phone all night. You'll be shocked how many wives come and say, he listens to everybody but me. Oh, he can listen to the, his buddies. He can listen to this. He won't listen to me. Pastor, I never dreamed I would sleep w- with somebody else. We just started talking. These are things that pastor hears. You would be shocked at how precious a gift is just to listen to somebody. Amen. Proverbs 18, are you there? Verse number 13. He that answereth a matter before he heareth it, it is folly and shame unto him. Speaking of the importance of listening so we don't make a faulty decision. Turn one page back, Proverbs chapter 16, verse number 20. He that handleth a matter wisely shall find good, and whoso trusteth in the Lord, happy is he. There are people out there, they don't have anybody to talk to. You could listen. Tell me about your day. Tell me about your life. Tell me about your testimony. Tell me how things are going. There are phone calls you can make. There are people you know. The gift of listening. Please don't don't dismiss this. Please don't dismiss this. It's a precious gift to possess. It's a precious gift to give. I would submit to you that most relational problems, when you reduce them down, I just got two people who don't know how to listen to one another. Number three, 
the gift of affection, the gift of listening. I like this one. It's called the gift of laughter. The gift of laughter, pastor? Yeah. Sharing life together. Um, A sense of humor. Uh, Laughing at yourself. Laughing at stories. Laughing at clean jokes. Uh, I got a couple of verses here. Find Psalm 126. I'll show you that. I'll read you a different one. You know the Bible says that a merry heart doeth well like a what class? A medicine, right? There's something about laughter that's so important. And laughter that, that should be shared. Um, in Psalm 126, the nation of Israel is celebrating their restoration here. And verse number one says, When the Lord turned again the captivity of Zion, we were like them that dream. Then was our mouth filled with laughter, our tongue with singing. Then said they among the heathen, the Lord hath done great things for them. If I'm going to get together and give the gift of laughter, that means I'm going to be in somebody's company. I'm going to be interested in them. I'm going to be disarmed. I'm going to be listening. I'm going to be vulnerable. I'm going to be able to share. Um, the gift of laughter has the ability to do the work of a medicine. I wonder when the last time you had a good laughter is. Number four, write this down. The gift of a cheerful disposition, you old sourpuss. Proverbs 15, verse number 13. Write this down. Read it with me here. I'll read it out loud. A merry heart maketh a cheerful countenance. I'll tell you, a gift that is wonderfully given is a cheerful disposition. I think this is a wonderful gift for a dad to give his family. I, 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 I struggle here. When I get home, my work is not physical. I don't work physically like Joey does outside. I work mentally. So some of you that have physical jobs, whether you're a man or woman, or some of you have mental jobs, both of them have exhaustion, right? And so when I go home at the end of the day, mentally, I have to fight my disposition. Sometimes I hear things from Beverly that say you were kind of hard on them today. You know, they were trying to tell you something. You sure, you sure were quick to not listen. You sure didn't seem happy. Why don't you come in here and be with the rest of us? You can say amen to that. Most of you are going like this, right? A cheerful disposition is a treasure to those with whom you spend a lot of time. Gifts purchased at a store may be motivated by obligation, but cheerfulness springs from a loving, committed heart. When you walk into the room of your home, there ought to be a cheerful disposition. I understand some things can rob you from that. Pain can rob you from that. Grief, finances, difficulties, problems arguments, relations, 
But a wonderful gift that gives a gift that shows you care is a cheerful disposition. I don't want to go to your mother's house for Christmas. This isn't my house. This is your house, right? Sometimes the best thing you can do is just be happy. Be glad to go. Put a smile on your face. Go with the kids. I don't like the Christmas shop. Get your blessed assurance out there and go Christmas shopping. I told you these were precious, right? I told you they were practical. The gift of a written note. My dad excelled at this. I stink at this. My dad had the ability to write letters. There were important moments in my life when I would come home and I would find a letter from my dad. And that letter was always encouraging. A gift of a written note can be a great encouragement, especially when it's delivered to someone feeling disheartened. When you study the epistles that the Apostle Paul wrote, he often urged his believers to encourage one another, and he would often encourage them with his own written hand note. Matter of fact, you write 2 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 27. I'm um, 1 Thessalonians 5, 27, 2 Thessalonians 3, 17. I, um, I get to experience this a lot. Even, even tonight, right before I came into church, somebody wrote me, a beautiful gift of a written note that encouraged me, lifted me. I received a letter a day or two ago that encouraged me, a handwritten note. Let me talk to the men about this. Men, just take it from a child, me. It had power in my life. Ladies, a handwritten note to a son, to a daughter, is power. Boss, a gift of a little written note. You may not be able to give money. You may not be able to give gifts. But you sure can write the gift of a little written note. The next one, I think we're on number six. The gift of a compliment. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 25, verse number 11, A word fitly spoken is like apples of gold and pitchers of silver. A heartfelt appreciation. Expression of gratitude. Not flattery. When you study flattery in the Bible, it's never honest. It's always dishonest. Won't warm the heart of the person receiving it. Everybody likes to have a compliment. Sometimes when I put two couples or couples together and they're fighting... I'll get to the point where they'll say, well, she'll say something like, he doesn't compliment me anymore. She doesn't compliment me. You ought to be a complimenter. I remember I have an Aunt Judy. She lives in in Cumberland Lake. I used to love to go to Aunt Judy's house as a kid because every time I would go into her house, she would say, my, oh, my, how handsome you are. And I, I had, I had, I'm just kind of spilling my guts tonight, but I, I had horrific acne when I was a kid. Horrific. I mean, so bad I wouldn't even want to go places. And I had other things that were, were difficulty in my physical appearance. Pastor, you still do. Keep that to yourself. Uh, 
And when I would go see my aunt, no matter how bad I looked, she would always say, man, oh, man, that's a handsome boy there. Some girl's going to get him. Made me feel good. Compliments make you feel good, don't they? I don't care how old you are. You like to be complimented. It's a beautiful gift. Don't lie. That's a joke all in of itself. We'll leave that alone. Number seven, two more. The gift of doing a favor. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 32 tells us to be kind to one another. Jesus himself said, as you would have them do unto you, do unto others. Doing a favor means going out of your way to do something kind for someone. Something that's not convenient for you. We, we have such a convenient-based mentality these days. If it's not convenient, we're not going to do it. One of the most precious gifts you can give in doing a favor is doing something that's not convenient for you. Let me just ask you a question, and don't say coming to church tonight. When's the last time you did something for somebody and it cost you something that wasn't convenient? Cost you time. Cost you thought. Cost you aggravation, gas, cancellation of a schedule. When's the last time you actually did a favor for somebody? Just think about that. Verse Ephesians 4 talks about being kind and tenderhearted one to another. The last one, and I'm done. It's on the list, and when it was on the list, I almost didn't bring it to you tonight. I thought, mm, I don't know. It's the gift of solitude. Pastor, what do you mean the gift of solitude? The gift of solitude comes from the book of Mark when Jesus urged his disciples to come apart with him. A quiet place of rest. The gift of solitude includes a sensitivity to somebody else's need to to get away from it all. It reminds me of that airline commercial, you want to get away, right? Um, Let me just break this down a little bit practical here. Husband, sometimes you look at your wife and she cares for her job. She cares for your home. If you have children, she cares for your children. She cares for your needs. She does a whole lot. Sometimes you need to address that and acknowledge that and realize she might need some time for herself. Here's where the ladies can say amen. Ladies, sometimes you can see that your husband works hard. Takes care of the house, outside, inside. Maybe he cares for a mother of his or a father of his or somebody. And sometimes he just needs a moment or two of solitude. I don't know. Boss, the people that work for you have lives. You're not their life. You're their boss. You're their job. They go home to illness. 
They go home to poverty. They go home to difficulty. They come when they're sick. They come when they're hurt. And sometimes you kind of just look at them and say, you need some time. Jesus looked at his disciples in that way and said, fellas, you need some, you need some time. Precious little gift of solitude. The Bible even talks about a husband and a wife separating a little bit for a time of prayer and then coming back together. But maybe you just need to give a gift of solitude. I'll tell you what the gift of solitude does. It, it recognizes the hard work. It recognizes the sacrifice. It recognizes the labor. It recognizes the love. It's a gift, really and truthfully, that shows you care. The gift of affection, the gift of listening, the gift of laughter, the gift of a cheerful disposition, the gift of a written note, the gift of a compliment, the gift of doing a favor, and the gift of solitude. I would say that Lila Weatherford embodied these things, and we could learn something from that. Amen? All right, so I challenge you. My last challenge. Every one of you have written in the list. And you're looking at the list, and you went. I can write a note. Take me five minutes. Done. Now, do the one that you hate. Do the one that it's not you. Do the one that you absolutely think, no way I'm doing that. Give that gift. It's more blessed to give than to receive. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, some simple truths as we come into Christmas time. On a Bible study night, on a night when, in a time when we're thinking about gifts, there are some gifts that just show you care. We are to care for one another. I think this would be a wonderful way to lift high the Lord Jesus. This would be a wonderful way to share the gospel. This would be a wonderful way to give us the mind of Christ as he was one that gave of himself. And so help us to be cognizant. Help us to put into practicality this lesson and help us to be people that care about people. We get so busy that we forget that people are eternal souls that need the Lord. They need refreshment. They need nourishment. They need encouragement. They need love. God's people ought to be able to do that. Help us, Lord. May it be a great Christmas as we give gifts that show we care. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, a little course to go home on. You know it. It's called Make Me a Servant. I think you'll remember it all of the evening. Stand if you would. Let's let this be done, sung to finish the message in our hearts. See you on Sunday.
God bless you.